Hey everyone, before we start this episode, I just wanted to let you know this is the audio cut from a video that James put out on our YouTube channel. So if you need to uh, see the visuals that he's showing you, you can head over to check the video out. Uh, there are timestamps in this description as well as the video that he put out. So if you want to skip to a certain section, uh, if there's something specific you want to learn about, I just check the description or, you know, head over to the video on the YouTube channel. Uh, the link is in this description as well. Hey everyone, this is Larry from WSTrades.com. This podcast is about trading stocks and stock options. Any information in these podcasts should not be construed as advice. It's for educational and entertainment purposes only. We are not financial advisors. Hey everybody, this is James with WSTrades.com. I wanted to make a video here and um, combine a lot of concepts that we have covered um, already on the channel. But I just wanted to kind of combine them into a single video so you could have a single source um, of information and education uh, for options uh, trading. Like if you are a beginner to options trading and you want to get into options trading, um, you know, I wanted to have a video on here where you could just go and learn about a bunch of things, really watch this video and have a good idea of how to trade options and what options contracts are. Um, instead of having to poke around and look at a bunch of different videos, it'd be nice to have a single video where you could learn about all of the basic concepts and uh, hopefully have a better idea and a little more confidence if you wanted to go out and um, trade options after watching a single video. Um, I would say even after watching this video, um, I would still definitely start with like some type of paper trading, um, you know, before throwing real money at it. Um, I know a lot of platforms offer paper trading, so you know, even after you get all the concepts down, um, it'd be good to still, you know, do paper trading, get more comfortable with it, really understand the whole process from opening positions to closing positions, um, and really get a handle on it without risking real money. And then, you know, once you kind of have that down and you understand everything well and how to open and close trades and what to look for, um, you know, then you could actually take your real money and start to trade options. So um, I pulled up an Apple options chain here for April 16th. This is the April monthly contracts here. So I'm going to kind of use uh, this options chain here as a guide and as an example, as I cover um, just a lot of the basics about options trading. So um, I guess to start off, a good place to start is just, you know, what is an options contract? Because you know, a lot of people have traded before just buying stock and selling stock. And, you know, you can buy stock, you can buy shares of a company or like buy shares of an ETF, and you can essentially hold it forever. Um, you know, if the company doesn't go bankrupt, um, you know, if you're holding like a single company stock, um, you know, there's really no timeline on it. You know, you can just buy it and you can hold it for a month or you can buy it and hold it for, you know, years if that company does not go bankrupt. And then at any point, 
you know, while holding the the asset or the shares, you know, you can just decide to uh, sell, um, you know, so you could buy something and it could lose value pretty quickly. And then, you know, a year down the road, it could explode. And then at that point, when you're at a nice profit, you can go and, uh, you know, sell that stock. With options, uh, it's a little different because there is an expiration date. Um, so unlike holding shares, you just can't hold them forever. Um, you know, there's going to be a specific expiration date where you're going to know whether the position was profitable or not for you. Um, you know, if you hold the contracts all the way through to expiration, um, you can dump contracts early. Um, we'll talk about that, but um, there's definitely a set time. There's like a defined time when it comes to options uh, contracts. So when you look at an options contract, you will see that expiration date in there. And like I said, I had pulled up uh, the monthly Aprils here for Apple. So I'm just going with the April 16th uh, date here, 2021, which is the normal monthly contracts for April here. Um, so that's one component of the options contract, the expiration date. Um, another component of the contract is like what type of contract is it? There are call option contracts and there are put options contracts. So uh, with a call option contract, like if you buy a call option contract and the trade or the underlying asset moves in the right direction in your favor um, and goes in the money before expiration, you have the ability to go in there and call shares away um, from the seller of the contract. And if you were the seller of that contract, that's kind of your risk there. You would sell a call option contract to a buyer and you would be at risk of having your shares called away um, if the underlying asset went against you and went in the wrong direction. So let's just take some of the calls that we have here for Apple for April 16th. I'm gonna scroll down to something out of the money here. I guess Apple right now is trading around 121. So let's just say you bought this 130 strike call option here. And that's another component of the contract is the strike. And we'll kind of go into that and what that means. Um, but let's just say I bought this Apple 130 call expiring April 16th. So I buy this thing. I'm along this contract. Um, so essentially, if the trade kind of moves in my favor, let's just say Apple goes up to like 140 or something before the April 16th expiration, that contract is going to be in the money and that trade moved in the right direction for me. So I can, you know, sell that contract early if I wanted to, or if I held until expiration and Apple finished above $130 per share at expiration, that is my... Um, ability there to call shares away from the person that sold me that contract. So, I mean, you can also do it ahead of time um, before that April 16th expiration, but there's other components that kind of factor into whether that makes sense or not. If there's a lot of time to expiration, usually you will not call shares away um, because there is time left until expiration and time is money. Um, we'll talk about that component later as well, um, intrinsic and extrinsic value. Um, so that would 
call option would have extrinsic value of like Apple exploded like on Monday or something um, up to 140 and there was a ton of time left, that call option um, you know, could have some extrinsic value still in it. So you might not want to call shares away from the seller of the contract just yet, um, but it's definitely an option you have. So that's kind of how a call option works, whether you buy it or whether you sell it, you know, you might have the ability at some point before expiration or at expiration day to call shares away from the seller. You know, if you were long that call option contract and, you know, if you were the seller, you have the risk of shares being called away from you, um, you know, if the trade does not go in your favor. So that's, um, that's one type of uh, options contract is the call option. So we talked about the expiration date, that's one component. Um, you know, the type, call or put is another component. And then also um, the strike, that's another very important component because the strike price will determine whether a, a call option or a put option contract is in or out of the money. Um, so we'll kind of get deeper into in or out of the money in a little bit, but you know, those are really your components. It's either a call or it's a put. Um, it has a strike price and it has an expiration date. Those are like the core components of what make up an options contract. Um, so we talked about the call, let's talk about the put option contract. So whereas the call option contract allows a buyer to call shares away from a seller of the contract, a put option contract actually allows a buyer of that contract to put or sell shares to the seller of the contract. So it's kind of the other side of the spectrum. Um, I choose Apple again here. Let's go with an out of the money put here. Let's just say I bought this 115 put on Apple that expires April 16th and the trade goes in my favor. Let's just say Apple dies off and goes down to like 110. Uh, that put option contract is going to be in the money. Let's just say expiration day rolls around and um, you know Apple finished at 110. It was a 115 put. At that point, if I'm long that put option contract, I can actually sell my shares um, to the seller of the contract for 115, even though Apple is only worth 110 per share. Um, so that's kind of how the put works. If you bought the put, if you are long the put option contract, um, and this is related to 100 shares, that's kind of how options contracts work. They control 100 shares of the underlying stock. Um, so if I wanted to put shares to the seller of this put option contract, you know, I would be putting 100 shares on expiration day. Um, you know, if the trade went in my favor and, you know, this put option contract was in the money at expiration. Um, if I sold this put option contract, there's the risk for me as a seller. Um, you know, if Apple dies off and goes down to 110 at expiration, then I'm going to be at a loss on this position because the buyer of the put option contract gets to sell me Apple for 115 a share. It's really only worth 110. So you can kind of see as a buyer, you're kind of limiting your risk on these single option contracts. And as a seller, uh, you know, you have varied risk. You know, Apple could go down to 110 by expiration. Apple could go down to 105 by expiration. Um, so as a seller, that's why you're selling these options. Uh, you're collecting some money up front for these options because you're kind of opening yourself up to some uh, 
in a way, undefined risk or varied risk. Whereas if you bought these contracts, essentially what you paid for the contract, um, that's the max that you can lose on the trade. The trade doesn't go in your favor. And let's just say you bought this Apple 130 call for April 16th for 250 bucks. That's as, that's the most you could lose if Apple does not get to 130 um, by expiration or does it make big enough of a move before then um, to become a valuable contract for you or that contract at a profit for you. Uh, you know, so as a buyer, you're kind of limited on your risk as a seller. You know, it can vary. So, you know, the buyer of these contracts is going to pay a premium to the seller and the seller is going to collect that premium up front. And no matter what happens, um, you know, as a seller of the contract, you can keep that premium that you collect up front. No matter what happens in the trade, um, you know, you'll always keep that original premium. Now, if the contract goes against you at some point as a seller, you know, you might uh, buy back the contract at a loss, but, you know, you keep that initial credit or that initial premium up front. So those are some of the basics of like what are options contracts and, you know, what are the types of options contracts, the calls and the puts and kind of how they work when you buy and sell them. Um, so we talked a little bit too in the money or out of the money. Um, we can go a little bit more into that. Um, like, let's say today I wanted to buy this Apple 130 call as a buyer. Right now, Apple is only trading around 121. So that means that this call option contract would be out of the money. Um, because as the buyer of the contract, I want Apple to rise in price and go closer to this 130 call or surpass this 130 call. So, you know, call option contracts are out of the money when the underlying price is lower than the strike price on the call option. On the other side, for a put, um, let's say I bought this 110 put, uh, you know, Apple is trading around 121, that put option is out of the money at this point because I really need Apple to decrease in price and head closer to that 110 or breach that 110 and go lower uh, for that thing to go in the money. So for put option contracts, you know, if the underlying stock or ETF or whatever it is you're trading options on, you know, is above the put strike, that's out of the money. Once the underlying price falls below that strike of 110, uh, that's where it goes in the money. So that can kind of tell you, you know, if you look at a call option or you look at a put option, you know, how do you tell if it's in the money or out of the money? Well, it just depends on where the underlying price of the asset is. For the call option, if the price is below the strike, it's out of the money. Um, you know, if it's above the strike price, that call option is in the money. For the put side, if the underlying uh, price is above the put strike, it's out of the money. If the underlying price is below the put strike, it's in the money. So that's how you can tell whether options contracts are in or out of the money. Um, there's another thing too that we touched on a little bit that I could talk a little more about, and that is the intrinsic versus the extrinsic value. So let's say that I bought this Apple 130 call um, and expiration day rolls around and it's April 16th. And let's say Apple finished at 135 bucks. That's where the underlying stock finished at. There's a difference of $5 between the 135 and the 130. So there's a difference of $5 between the agreed upon strike price between the buyer and the seller 
and where the underlying is trading now. You would call that at that point um, at expiration. You see that difference of $5. Essentially, that is going to be your intrinsic value. That means how much is the option in the money. Um, so, you know, if the underlying did not make it to that 130 expiration day rolled around, that options contract would have no intrinsic value. It finished out of the money and it's essentially worthless at that point. Um, so leading up to expiration, you know, options contracts will have extrinsic value and that is the other kind of value. And that is really just time value. Um, so right now you can see this Apple 130 call that we've been looking at here. Um, if I wanna go out and buy it, I'm gonna to have to pay you know, maybe 245 bucks if I wanna buy that call option. As you can see, Apple's only trading at 121 or around there. This call option has a strike of 130. So you see that this is out of the money. So you see that it has no intrinsic value because the 130 uh, strike price has not been breached uh, by the underlying asset. So you know the Apple stock price has not went above that 130. So you know it has no intrinsic value. So all of this value right here is extrinsic. Um, and that's really the risk you're taking on as a seller of this 130 call because there's uh, you know, a good, what, five, six weeks to April 16th. So there's a lot of time for Apple to rally and pop off and breach that 130 call. So that's why you're collecting this premium or this extrinsic value when you sell this contract to a buyer. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the difference between intrinsic value and extrinsic value and how you can tell, you know, what is your, you know, the value in the contract? Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? Mm -hmm. um, right now you have, um, you know, the call, the 130 call option out of the money at this point. So, you know, all this value, we talked about it being extrinsic. Um, you know, if the, let's say Apple popped off hard and was like deep, the call option went deep in the money. Let's just say Apple went to like 160 or something crazy. Um, there's probably going to be no extrinsic value left in that option, even if there's a lot of time till expiration. There might be a little bit, um, but typically when something gets really deep in the money and the probability of it falling out of the money by expiration uh, is almost impossible, that's where all the extrinsic is out and uh, you're just straight up intrinsic value at that point. Uh, let me see if I can adjust the layout here on the options chain. Yeah, here we go. We got position, intrinsic, and extrinsic. So let's take a look at some of these options here. So yeah, we have these uh, columns up right here. And here's a good example of kind of the intrinsic versus extrinsic value that I was talking about. You can see that um, for the call options and the lower the strike price you go, the extrinsic value is kind of falling out. And that's what I was talking about, like an option being out of the money, having quite a bit of extrinsic value or time value. But the deeper you get in the money, the more that falls out because the less chance that that call option is actually going to be out of the money at expiration. So if you go way down to this like 95 call option, it's so deep in the money, the chance of Apple going below 95 um, by April 16th is so low that there's only $54 or you know, $54.50 essentially there of extrinsic in it. 
um, because chances are very high probability that this thing finishes in the money by April 16th. But, you know, you come out of the money here and you can see just out of the money, uh, call option of 122.5 has a ton of extrinsic because the price of Apple is right up against that. So there's a very high chance that, um, well, a much higher chance when I say very high, it's probably around a 50-50 shot that Apple finishes around, or sorry, above 122.50 by April 16th. So as a seller of that option, you're taking on a lot of risk, and that's why the seller is going to get paid, uh, you know, over $500. And at that point, that's all straight up ex extrinsic value because this 122.5 option uh, is out of the money. That strike is out of the money, barely out of the money, but it's out of the money. So that's where you can see that the all the value is straight up extrinsic. There's no intrinsic there because the option is still out of the money. Um, so that can kind of give you an idea of, uh, you know, the options that have a lot of intrinsic value and the options that have a lot of extrinsic value and kind of how that relates to being in or out of the money. So we're kind of talking about the extrinsic, the, you know, the lower down we go on the call option strikes like way down here to 95, hardly any extrinsic. All the value is intrinsic because that 95 call option is like what almost $30 in the money like it's super deep in the money so if you were to go out as a seller and sell that option you know you're really selling intrinsic value at that point because chances are very high chance here that this 95 call option um, finishes in the money at April 16th so um, yeah, so that kind of goes over the intrinsic, the extrinsic, um, in the money, out of the money. Those um, definitely are tied together very closely when it comes to options contracts. Um, let's talk about also exercise and assignment. So we we're talking about like what you can do with options um, as far as when you want to dump them or if you want to hold them until expiration. Uh, I'm going to bring up the Greeks here again. Um, yeah, we can leave the groups up here. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about that 130 call again. Um, so the 130 call option here for April 16th, um, let's say I buy it and I've got five to six weeks to expiration and let's just say Apple blasts off and Apple goes to like 140. So it's like $10 in the money now, that 130 strike call option. If there's not a lot of extrinsic value left in the contract, um, if it's deep enough in the money and there's hardly any extrinsic there or the extrinsic value ends up being gone, um, I could go out and I could exercise my call option. And essentially what that is doing is I'm executing my right to call shares away from the seller of the contract. So let's use a higher value here. Let's just say Apple went nutty. We had the 130 strike call option for April 16th and they just went crazy and went to like 160 or something and it was like $30 in the money. And um, let's just say all the extrinsic is out. There's like no way Apple is gonna be falling down you know, below 130 and it's just straight up intrinsic value. There's no extrinsic there. You might as a, you know, if you're long that 130 call option contract, you might exercise your right to call shares away from the buyer. 
Um, so, you know, you can call your broker, you can, um, you know, tell them, hey, I want to do this transaction. And you can actually have the exchange of shares. So you could exercise that call. You could buy Apple for 130 bucks a share, you know, 100 shares of it, because each options contract controls 100 shares of the underlying stock. And once you receive the stock, it's actually worth 160 per share. So you can see there's a $30 difference um, in between your 130 call strike and 160, which is the underlying value of the, you know, the stock. And, you know, you times that by 100 shares and you're talking like $3,000 of profit there. Um, let's actually pull up something for an example here let's go back to intrinsic and extrinsic so I give a different example so you do have that option if there's like no extrinsic value in there you might want to it's deep enough in the money you could go i mean if you think Apple's going to die off and you know that's the top of apple which that would be pretty crazy them hitting that level so it'd probably be a good idea to either dump the contract um or you know exercise your right to call shares away from the seller of the contract um actually use a good example here we're using that 95 right around 120 so let's actually go down to about 9125 because that is about exactly 30 dollars in difference there so yeah you can see there's only 44 dollars of extrinsic in this um 9125 call option right here and the rest of the value is you know straight up intrinsic because it's like 30 dollars in the money it's deep in the money um you know rather than exercise you're right there if you have some extrinsic there you probably want to just sell this contract um, because we talked about the $30 difference and a $3,000 profit but if you can actually go out and sell the contract for a little bit more than a $3,000 profit you know that makes sense if you have a little bit of extrinsic left you're going to make a little bit bigger of a profit um, if you just sell the contract rather than exchange shares. And that's what a lot of people do. If they make an options trade, it goes in their favor. Uh, you know, the underlying makes a big move before expiration and, you know, they double their, you know, they double the value of the contract or something crazy and they hit their profit target. They'll just sell the contract back if they bought that contract. They're not actually gonna go through the, the hassle of actually having to receive the shares um, and, you know, go that route. Um, They'll just, you know, if they bought the contract, they'll just sell it. And that totally makes sense if you have extrinsic there because it's a bigger profit to sell the contract back to the market than to actually exchange shares and call shares away from the uh, seller of the contract. Um, yeah, you have to go really deep here for it to really fall off. Like the 60 call, you can see has no extrinsic. So, I mean, if you actually bought this 60 call, say, who knows six months ago a year ago and now it's like you know fifty dollars in the money or something create like whatever this is sixty dollars in the money um you know there's no extrinsic there so i would probably still um you know sell my contract probably wouldn't want to deal with the exchange of shares but you know you could go either route there but you'd essentially be at the same profit because the value of the options contract is straight up um you know 100 percent intrinsic at this point because it's so deep in the money um you know you also want to check out the volume um as well 
on this strike, you know, because if there's no volume there, it's too deep in the money. You may not be able to sell the contract back to the market. You might just have to deal with the exchange of uh, shares at expiration. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend as well. That's another thing, uh, just volume and open interest when it comes to options. Um, I definitely recommend trading something that is highly liquid, has a ton of volume, um, has a lot of open interest because the bid ask spread is going to be very tight. And uh, just like a stock, you know, you want that tight bid ask spread. You don't want to be reaching down to sell things. You don't want to be reaching up to buy things. And, you know, given those uh, market makers, uh, you know, that wide bid ask spread, you know, you want something that's liquid, the pricing is tight. And, um, you know, you know, you're, you know, you're not going to have any issue dumping contracts. If you buy something, it, you know, becomes profitable for you. You want to be trading, uh, you know, some asset that's got liquid options so you can do what you need to do. You don't want to have to get stuck, uh, you know, writing something out till expiration because you are trading options on an underlying that's not very liquid. Um, and same thing, you know, if it's not very liquid, you could have a pretty wide bid-ask spread and there's just a, you know, a lot of wasted money there. Um, if you're having to reach down in price to sell stuff and reach up in price to uh, buy contracts. So, um, yeah, so that's if you wanted to exercise. The other uh, spectrum there is if you were the seller of that contract, that's where you get assigned. So, you know, let's just say uh, you had sold this 60 call option on Apple for April 16th, you know, a long time ago. And, um, you know, it went deep in the money and, uh, the buyer of the contract, that uh, 60 call option contract, um, you know, decided they wanted to exercise their right to call shares away from you. That's where you get assigned. So, um, you know, sellers are at risk of assignment. You know, if the trade goes against them, they can be assigned. And, you know, in the, um, the call... So the buyer exercises the right, you know, to call shares away. So that's what happens as a seller when you get um, assigned, you know, you're going to have shares called away from you and you're going to have a short position in your account um, would be 100 shares. If it's a single, you know, call option contract that you get assigned on and your broker is going to email you and tell you, hey, you got assigned. Um, I know TD Ameritrade says like, oh, you need to act immediately. I mean, it's not always like they make it like a big deal, but that's not always the case as long as you've got. Um, you know, equity in your account to handle the short position. It's not always like a thing to freak out about. But if you don't have, you know, enough equity in your account and it puts you in like some kind of a margin call situation, you know, that can be a problem as well. Um, so, you know, those are risks for sure when it comes to uh, being assigned and, you know, selling options contracts. Um, and then on the put option side, um, you know, the buyer or the person that's along that put option, let's just go down here and take a look at the in the money puts. So let's just say it was like a 160 put or something, you know, it's deep in the money. Let's just say the buyer of that uh, 160 put option contract or something wants to exercise their right to put shares to you. Um, that's when you're buying shares as a seller. So if you get assigned on a put option um, as a seller of that 160 put option contract, um, you're buying shares at 160, the underlying assets only worth 121 so you can kind of see you know how that trade went, went against you or how that trade is at a loss for you um, as a seller of that contract um, so that kind of covers the exercise and assignment 
Um, something else that I definitely wanted to go into as well um, are the Greeks, because you might hear about uh, the options Greeks, uh, and you want to know like what they're talking about, what they mean, how do they affect options pricing, and essentially that's you know what they do. Uh, the different major Greeks that you will hear about, like um, Theta, Delta, Vega, and Gamma, they will actually affect the price of the options contract. And it's good to know exactly how they affect, how each one affects the price of the options contract and like, what do they mean? If you pull up a options chain like this and you want to display those, you know, four major Greeks, you know, you'll see Delta, Gamma, Theta, Vega. You want to know exactly what those are, what they do, how they affect the pricing. Um, so yeah, I guess we can start off with um, Delta. Delta is uh, one of the Greeks that I definitely use a ton when I want to get into an options trade. Um, I prefer to sell options. I know there's um, some statistics out there floating around saying that like 80% or 85% or something like that of uh, options contracts expire worthless at expiration. Um, so there is a high, um, you know, probability there uh, that a lot of these contracts will be worthless at expiration. So that's why I like to be an option seller. I mean, you can definitely make money buying options, but you need to kind of know the direction of, you know, the stock or the underlying where it's going to go or if it's going to make a big move or not. Um, but as a Primarily me being an option seller, um, I'm looking at Delta a lot. Actually, that's the first thing I look at, to be honest. If I want to go uh, sell some contracts and become an option seller, um, I'm looking at Delta first. Um, what I like to do is sell something around a 15 Delta. If I'm selling something like uh, an iron condor um, or a spread, um, you know, I like the 15 Delta number because... Let's just say I wanted to sell a spread up here on Apple for April 16th. I would come to this uh, 137.5. You can see it's worth a, you know, a little over 100 bucks if I wanted to sell that. And then I might go down to the next one, which is a 14 Delta. And I might buy that, which is worth about 95 bucks. Um, so you can kind of see the difference there. But um, essentially, you know, what this Delta number is telling you is that this 137.5 call that I want to sell here, it has like an 85% chance of being worthless at expiration. And as an option seller, that's what I want. I want a very high chance of this contract that I'm selling to be worthless at expiration. If you wanted to be super risky, you could go down to this 122.5, <clears throat> sorry, call option. That's just barely out of the money. Um, so, you can see the Delta's 0.49. It's kind of like flipping a coin. This 122.5 call, I mean, it could be, it's like a 50-50 shot, whether it's in the money or out of the money at expiration because the Delta is 0.49. So you can kind of see this Delta number gets smaller here on the call side, higher probability of success there if you're an option seller. That number grows higher. Um, you know, you're having less of a chance of success. So if I'm going to do anything with this 122.5 call, um, which typically I wouldn't, I want to sell far away from the money, you know, I'd be buying that thing because, um, well, I guess you could buy or sell there if you're willing to, you know, take some, take on some decent risk. But I mean, that's really like flipping a coin. I like higher probability of success trades. So that's why I'm going down and selling this, um, 
15 delta call and then buy in this 14 delta call. So, um, and as you can see, as these strikes get in the money, you head up, you know, down this way, um, that delta just goes higher and higher because the deeper in the money the call option contract is, the higher probability that it finishes in the money. Like there's, I mean, it says 0.92, which is telling you this um, 90 call option here for April 16th has a 92% chance of being in the money. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a 100% chance. Like Apple is, I mean, we probably have to have like coronavirus 2.0 or some other virus come out or some crazy uh, economic collapse for Apple to go below 90 by uh, April 16th. So that's why you see the 0.92 Delta. Um, so that's one aspect of Delta. Um, it also affects like the op or it's also related to the price of the options contract. So um, let's go to the one that I wanted to sell again, which is the 137.5 um, call option contract here. Um, so this 0.15 also relates to how much the price of the options contract is going to change with an underlying, uh, you know, or a move in the price of the underlying asset. So um, Apple's trading, let's just say at 121 right now, if Apple moves up to 122, um, you know, how is the price of the options contract, that 137.5 call going to be affected? Well, 0.15 will tell you that contract is gonna move up in value 15 cents, um, you know, times 100 shares, really $15, but um, that's another uh, thing that Delta will tell you when it comes to the options pricing. Um, so it can kind of tell you probability in or out of the money, and it can also tell you, well, if the underlying asset moves a buck, um, what, you know, how's that going to affect the price of the call option we're looking at here? So, um, yeah, I don't really look at that one, or I don't really think about that one too much. I'm more concerned with probability of success because I'm an option seller. Um, but yeah, that's another thing you can look at, um, and kind of figure out when it comes to uh, Delta, which is one of the main Greeks. Um, yeah, I guess we can look at Gamma here. Um, so the Gamma, it's going to tell you, uh, it's also gonna tell you something when the underlying uh, asset moves in price. So let's just say I was looking at something here that had like a 0.79 Gamma. So um, it actually affects the Delta value as well. So um, gamma is yeah, kind of an interesting one, whereas delta, we're not really talking about how it relates to other Greeks, but gamma is an interesting one. Um, so the gamma on that 137.5 call there is, um, you know, 0.02. So if the underlying asset moves a dollar in price, that can actually affect the what the delta value is going to be. So gamma will affect the value of the delta, and the delta will actually be related to the price of the options contract as well. So with that dollar move in the underlying, um, gamma is kind of affecting delta, and delta affects the price of the options contract. So yeah, something I was looking at here earlier was like 0.79 um, so yeah, this is a very small, this is pretty far out of the money. Um, it's got a very small gamma value right now. 
So it might affect um, the delta value by 0.02, which isn't much. So maybe the delta would go from 0.15, um, you know, to 0.17. So a pretty small move with a $1 move in the underlying asset. But um, yeah, that's kind of how gamma would kind of indirectly affect options pricing. Um, so we've also got theta and vega to go over here. Um, theta is decay. So we talked about um, extrinsic value and how when, let's just say this 137.5 call option contract, um, you know, it's out of the money. Any value it has right now is extrinsic because it's out of the money. Theta is gonna tell you about the decay because with the options contracts, you know, the closer you get to expiration, uh, the value is going to decay because time is running out, you know, time is money. So um, theta will kind of tell you that. So for this 137.5 call here, we know it's worth about, you know, 107, 108 bucks. It's probably the difference between that bid ask right now. Um, the theta is still pretty low because we have five or six weeks to expiration. So the theta is only negative 0.04. Four cents times a hundred shares, you know. So this call option value is going to lose essentially four dollars in value um, every day, heading towards expiration. But this doesn't always stay the same. Um, you know, theta will kind of increase exponentially as we get closer and closer to expiration, because the closer and closer we get to expiration of the contract, um, you know, the less chance that option has to be in the money. At expiration so um, theta will be changing you know you could look at theta today it's negative 0.04 you might look at theta tomorrow it could be negative 0.07 you know as a day passes theta could increase um, especially if the underlying asset moves down on this call option if the price of Apple moves further and further away from this 137.5 strike um, you know theta you know could increase at a faster rate because there's you know there's much lower chance of the 137.5 call option uh, finishing in the money at expiration. So sometimes I'll look at theta. I don't really look at theta when I'm like getting into a trade, like, oh, let me look at this contract and see how much it's gonna decay by tomorrow. Um, sometimes I'll kind of check it out after I'm already into a trade and I just wanna see, oh, well this, you know, 137.5 call is gonna be losing, you know, like 50 bucks or something tomorrow. And it's like, oh, that's great. If Apple just stays below this level, you know, it's great for me as an option seller. So I'll kind of look at theta and see what's going on there and kind of see how, how the options are decaying um, as I'm in the trade. But I don't really look at theta when I'm looking to get into a trade. I'm really focused on that delta. Um, yeah, Vega is another one that affects pricing of contracts. And Vega is really related to implied volatility. Um, so... I guess we can talk about implied volatility for a second. Um, so implied volatility, it's really a value that's derived from expected move in an underlying asset. So if Apple has earnings coming up, you know, people are going to be expecting a big move because earnings could be bad, earnings could be good. You know, Apple could make a huge move up, Apple could make a huge move down. So approaching earning and those weekly contracts relating to that earnings week for Apple, people are going to be paying higher amounts for calls and puts, um, typically just out of the money. But I mean, all the, uh, whether they're in the money, uh, out of the money, um, you know, 
far out of the money, just out of the money, all prices of options contracts really um, kind of get elevated when implied volatility spikes. And um, so you might want to know like, well, if implied volatility goes up a certain amount, how does that affect the options pricing or the price of the options contract? Um, and that's kind of where Vega comes in. So I was looking at um, an example earlier. Yeah, like 0.12, if there's something with a Vega of 0.12, this one's got a 0.10, which is pretty similar. Um, but you know, if implied volatility increases by 1%, what does that do to the options contract price? Well, if the Vega on the, on the contract is 0.10, it'll go up 10 cents times 100 shares or 10 bucks. So that kind of tells you if there's a small like 1% increase in implied volatility, for whatever reason, maybe there's a market sell-off going on, uh, maybe uh, earnings are coming up, uh, you know, there could be so many factors that could, uh, you know, really increase that implied volatility, sometimes sometimes a massive move higher, you know, I know the sell-off, sometimes the IV will really get jacked up and kick in like crazy, but if a stock makes a huge parabolic move, let's just say Apple goes to like one uh, 190 or something in a week, uh, the IV could be nutso because they already made that huge move. And like, what are the chances that Apple holds that level? That could cause a huge uh, spike in implied volatility. And, um, you know, that's kind of where Vega comes in. You can see like if IV goes up or down, how does it affect the, you know, the options contract price? So in the case of this 137.5 call here on Apple, uh, 0.10, you know, 1% increase would you know, essentially make that contract $10 more valuable. Um, you know, if you're not factoring anything else like Vega or any of those other things, you know, if you're just focusing in on, or sorry, Theta, if you're just focusing in on the one Greek Vega, you can really see how Vega would affect the options price with an increase or decrease um, in implied volatility. So I'm not really looking at Vega too much, but I will say like to get into a trade or honestly, I'm not really looking at Vega too much at all. But um, I will say this about implied volatility. Implied volatility is a huge um, part of trading for me because I like to sell options. And if I can sell options when implied volatility is really high, um, I'm gonna collect more premium, right? I'm gonna collect more credit when I sell those contracts. So I like to sell options when implied volatility is spiked or implied volatility is high for sure um, because I'm gonna get more money. And you know, there's been a lot of studies, there's been a lot of back testing done. And essentially most of the time, implied volatility is overestimated so if people are expecting Apple to make a $5 move uh, during earnings, more often than not, they're not going to move $5. The underlying asset will not move that far. Um, sometimes it will. Sometimes it'll go crazy and make a $10 move or you know, a $7 move and kind of go further than uh, you know, market participants actually expected it to go. But you know, over time, you're going to see that the move is not as big as people thought it was going to be. So that's why I like to trade and sell contracts when IV is, you know, really high because I'm collecting premium and more higher premium. And more often than not, uh, you know, the underlying is not going to make that big of a move. My contract is going to finish out of the money and I'm going to go max profit. Um, so 
although I'm not looking at Vega too much when it comes to uh, getting into trades or monitoring trades, uh, implied volatility is really important. Now, if I was an options buyer, that would be a case where I definitely would like to buy options when IV is low. Uh, because if you're buying options when IV is high, everybody is already expecting a big move in the underlying asset. So you're gonna have to pay a lot for the contracts. Um, if you wait until IV is really low and the price of options is really cheap, you get in at that point uh, and then something happens, a sell-off in the market or uh, a huge run-up in the market, then all of a sudden the contracts gain value just because implied volatility has spiked, you know, and that's where Vega comes in and the price of the options contract, you know, is elevated. So like, let's just say um, you bought a call option, let's just say this 137.5, and, you know, the Vega was really low or the implied volatility was really low. Um, and then Apple made a big move in one day. Let's just say they went from 122 to like 132, like a $10 move in one day. IV might spike up and that call option contract that maybe you paid 100 bucks for is now worth 200 bucks because there's a lot of time to expiration and it, the underlying made a big move. And, uh, you know, that's where Vega will kind of show you you know, the value increase there for that call option. So you can kind of see if you're a buyer of options, you definitely don't want to overpay. And if you're a seller of options, you definitely don't want to take too little of credit. Um, so yeah, these are kind of the major Greeks and how you would use them to kind of figure out uh, options pricing and how options pricing is affected. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to put all this together. I know I've made uh, these separate videos on all these topics, and I just kind of wanted to put it all together in one video. So hopefully after you watch this video, it'll give you a really good understanding of you know, some of the core components. I mean, it's not everything. There's a lot of stuff to go into when it comes uh, to options trading. There's uh, so many different strategies and you know, ways you can play options, but at least this video will give you like the core foundation of, uh, you know, what are options? How do they work? How are they priced? You know, what happens when you buy a call? What happens when you sell a put? Um, you know, just those kind of basic core fundamentals. Um, so I hope you guys have a better idea um, of options trading and what it entails after watching this video. Uh, please like the video. Please also subscribe to the channel if you are not subscribed. Hit that notification bell so you can get alerts and notifications when more videos like this come out. Um, I appreciate you guys taking the time to watch this video, and I will talk to you very soon on the next one.